Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. On Pixel Sift, we speak to the creative minds of video games and interactive media and we find out their stories. What does it actually take to make those experiences that you love? My name's Gianni and joining me on this episode of Pixel Sift is Viv. Thanks for joining me, Viv. Hello. This is episode 169, and joining us to share their game is Aman Sandu, a solo developer from Frostwood Interactive, who's just exhibited their game, Forgotten Fields, at Ludo Narracon, which has been an online narrative gaming uh, convention run over the last uh, weekend uh, at the time we're recording this. Aman, um, thank you for joining us. Hi, glad to be here. We can't wait to find out more about your game and what we've, you've learned along the way, so let's jump in. Hey there, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. So Forgotten Fields is a narrative adventure game that explores what it feels like to head back home after being struck out on your own and also ponders on how our past can influence our futures. Aman, for the people who are learning about Forgotten Fields for the first time, could you describe it for us? Yeah, so Forgotten Fields is a narrative-driven game. It's a cozy slice-of-life story about a writer with a writer's block and uh, uh, who has to go back home for you know, because his childhood home is being sold. And uh, during that journey, he kind of reminisces about old times, gets nostalgic and, you know, you relive memories. And through that, he kind of gets ideas for his book as well. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how, how the game is played? What sort of game is it? And, and why did you want to make it in that style? So it's, uh, you might call it a bit of a uh, walking simulator, but with a little bit more interaction maybe it's not exactly an adventure game or a point and click but there are a few inventory inventory puzzles and uh, a couple of QTEs, uh quick time events and uh, but it's mostly about uh, exploring each area and talking to people you meet which are mostly your friends your relatives so a lot of dialogue basically can you tell us a little bit more about the setting as well um where is this game set and, and what were you trying to convey um, in setting the game where it is? So it's not uh, specifically said in the game, but it's inspired uh, by my uh, hometown, which is Goa in India, uh, which is a coastal state and it's very warm and beaches and palm trees and um, yeah, a very cozy atmosphere that way. Uh, so the atmosphere of the game is kind of like a lazy afternoon where you kind of just want to laze and kind of, you know, just sleep and not do much. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to give that warm feeling. So it really sort of worked for that. What were the main inspirations behind the game? A lot of slice and life, slice of life stuff, like, uh, you know, like Ghibli films or, uh, some similar animes and, uh, even movies like uh, Still Walking, I forget the director's name right now. Uh, but yeah, a lot of very mundane, everyday stuff. You did an interview uh, 
for Ludo Naricon uh, as part of their convention, you talked about how you have a real love of film um, and how a lot of that sort of cinematic and filmic ideas uh, form a part of this game. Can you tell me a little bit about how film um, and doing sort of 3D spaces were inspired by the films and, and anime and stuff that you mentioned there? I was interested in making films before I got into games. Um, I worked for a couple of months in a TV show and I didn't enjoy the experience, but I still like the medium, you know, uh, still like cinematography and uh, shots and editing it together and just nice moments which look good and, you know, bring the story to another level. So that is something I get to do in games without having to work on a set. So, you know, like even though games are not movies, but you can still have some of that fun, which I like to have. (laughs) So, um, yeah, uh, uh, our first game was 2D. So that was, you can say, a little bit more um, contained. But move with 3D, you know, you just have a set and you can play around with cameras. So I really enjoy that. And when it comes to cutscenes, yeah, just a lot of shots, a lot of angles. And I guess all that television experience would actually translate very well into 3D space as well, hey? Um, so in the TV thing, I just worked for two months and I was an assistant director. So I was mostly just calling actors and getting coffee and stuff like that. So most of the experience has been just watching from watching films or from YouTube or even making short films with my friends with just a DSLR. That's been a, more of a learning experience. Was there a particular um, director or uh, any specific cinematic styles that influenced you the most while making um, this game? Yeah, so uh, the name I'd forgotten was Hirokazu Korida. Uh, he's made Still Walking and a couple of other similar, you know, very normal life, very mundane films. So that was a huge influence. In games, we quite often do really fantastical things. We do things that aren't possible in real life. Why was it that you wanted to make a game which felt like an experience that could happen to someone in real life? The starting point was basically what was inspiring me at the moment, and that was the mundane. So uh, I didn't think that I can do more with a game, but it was more that I want to express the mundane and I want to share the mundane and the coziness of it. And yeah, like, Doing it in a game, for instance, it's just more interactive, so it's more immersive. And uh, you kind of feel that, you know, you are in that world. So if the game is cozy, you just feel a lot more cozier by playing it in a game than seeing it in a movie, according to me. So The story follows Sid, who is a writer that's struggling to find new ideas, right? How personal a story is that to you? Um, so it was uh, quite personal, actually. Um the whole reason why it was about a writer with the creative block was because I couldn't come up with an idea for my second game. And uh, the first game I released was Rainswept and it just kind of came to me very easily because those were all the ideas which I'd been interested in for many years. And uh, when I decided to make a game, it was like, okay, it's got to be a murder mystery. It's got to be like Twin Peaks, etc. You know, so that is Rainswept basically. But once I finished with that, I had to come up with an idea from scratch and uh, that really uh, blocked me up uh, because now it was like a job, like I have to think of something. And uh, yeah, more and more months just kept going and I kept looking for ideas. So eventually I was, 
I decided, though, fine, I'll write it about this situation, which is not being able to get ideas. How did you kind of come across that idea? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle with their follow-up idea. Um, But what was the thing that made it crystallize in your mind that you should write it about the experience that you were feeling right now? So, uh, one of the first things was when I sort of made the decision, I told myself that I have to stick with it because I went through a dozen ideas and I didn't like any of them. So, the first step was that stop going through ideas and just stick with one. So I stuck with that one. And uh, um, a few months after that, I went back home. So I had moved to a big city, Mumbai, uh, which is close to Goa. And I was living alone there. And I came back to Goa for a holiday for a month or for a few days. And uh, when I came back to Goa for that holiday, it just kind of hit me, you know, like, why don't I make something about based in a place like Goa? Because... Uh, I was born there and I know so much about it. So if I had to create that place in a game, it would be very easy for me. And there is so much that I would want to share about a place like this. Uh, Yeah, so when I had that realization, it just kind of combined with the idea of going back home and the creative block. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you did want to share? Tell us about why um, you wanted to make a game there and, and what were some of those aspects that were really uh, important when, when talking about Goa? We go around, like me and my friends, we go around Goa, you know, whenever we have some free time. And there are all these amazing places that even though I was born there, it's they're still fascinating. Like, I still love going to those places. And, uh, like, I was in the beach one day and I was just swimming and just that experience of being in the water which was is one of the nicest beaches in goa and you know the sand was very soft the water was amazing all the sounds and everything that whole experience uh, at that moment i was like i need to uh, recreate this and i need to share this and uh, i did like there is a first person swimming section in the game so for instance that was one of the things but Mostly it was the atmosphere of the place. It's just very cozy and warm. And it's something I'm nostalgic about because all my younger years were also spent over there. Could you tell us, um, how did the visual style of the game come together? I don't really have much experience as an artist. And uh, even Rainswept was a bit, uh, you know, it was made according to my limitations as an artist. So it had to be something simple and something colorful. So it was a similar principle for Forgotten Fields. I was just moving into 3D, so low poly. And uh, the color palette is, it has to be eye-catching, but at the same time, it's somewhat representative of Goa. So looking at a lot of pictures and, uh, you know, just pulling that color while also, you know, there's bloom, there's uh, light, there's warmth, just to convey that afternoon feeling. And yeah, I like a lot of Bloom because I am nostalgic about, you know, those Xbox 360 games and games like Fable. So yeah, a lot of Bloom. This game, uh, you know, I can see that there is a lot of heart in it. Um, and you, you mentioned there that there is that feeling, that nostalgia. Um, can you tell me a bit about what uh, players who've played your game, maybe people at Ludonaricon who've had a chance to try out the demo, have been telling you about how they've connected to this game? Is is it been um, something that people have been able to feel about their own hometown when they play this game? 
Yeah, so that was kind of surprising because I felt it's a very specific and subjective and personal kind of a story, um, and things that maybe you don't really talk about very often. But I've been surprised uh, with the number of people, especially a lot of reviews saying that they are at an age where they are now beginning to look back and they are nostalgic about their teen years or their early twenties, and. Uh, so yeah it's mostly about mostly people can relate to that feeling i think we are sort of in a similar age group late 20s 30s maybe so a lot of those people have said they can relate to it you spoke a little bit about what it was like to follow up your game that you know there was that challenge um following up rainswept sort of different style of game as well um what were some of the things that really came easily for you once you started this process yeah, it was quite difficult in the beginning because I didn't have any ideas. But once I stuck with it and uh, figured out, you know, things like camera angle for 3D and everything, once I had one level ready, it was, um, it was kind of smooth. The story sort of came together, and uh, the design is simplistic. So, uh, yeah, not much of a challenge that way. Um, yeah, uh, atmosphere, story, those things, once I had the foundation, those came pretty easily. You mentioned learning some of those 3D techniques uh, was challenging. What are you most proud of, uh, of making this game in a new style uh, that you know how to do now? You know, the moment where it sort of all came together visually was, uh, so because Rainswept was 2D side-scrolling, this also was in the beginning, maybe out of habit, I was making it side scrolling and not really taking advantage of it being 3D. And uh, then I tried a couple of different views behind the shoulder and first person, all those things. While experimenting, I came upon that most of the times the camera view you see, which is sort of isometric. And with the same uh, assets which were already in the game, just switching to that camera made it look 10 times better because you just pull it out and uh, you know it looks a lot more detailed. So that was the moment where the visuals all came together, which I was pretty happy about. You spoke a little bit earlier about how you came in from film, but how did you get into video games from what you were as an architect before, I believe? I was studying architecture and I didn't like it at all. And uh, during while I was studying architecture, I got into films. I started watching films, started making short films and everything. And... Uh, at that time, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to get into films. Uh, but I did graduate and I did it for two months, like I said, and I didn't like it at all, the experience. So like just to stabilize my life, I went back to architecture, got a normal, uh, got a nine to five job in a firm. And I was back to being in architecture and it, I was back to being miserable about it. And at that time, I was talking to a friend who also wanted to do something different. So he suggested we make a game and which is something I'd wanted to do forever when I was in, you know, when I was a kid and everything, but I didn't uh, try it because there was no company in India. There was no industry presence. So, but now uh, with, this is around 2015, you know, uh, there is steam, there's unity, there's the whole indie game industry. So, now I could actually think about doing it. So yeah, I 
considered it and i saw that there were so many small projects being made by solo uh, teams solo companies and uh, i learned some tools some tutorials and made a demo for rainsept it was received well so around that time i quit my job and went full time into rainsept there's a, a segment in the game uh, where Sid is talking to his auntie and uncle and uh, they're talking to him about being a novelist, about writing, uh, where they're saying, well, why don't you go and get a job being a teacher? Why don't you go and do something else with a sort of a nine-to-five job? Um, has your family been supportive uh, or is that a pressure that you felt in your own life while making making games? Uh, my family's been uh, uh, extremely supportive, so I would keep having all sorts of ideas, you know, I want to do films and I want to do architecture. And so they were always like, you do what you want and do whatever makes you happy. So there was no pressure uh, from that side, which is really helpful. But yeah, you do hear such things and you hear, you get into conversations and people, they don't really know what you're doing. And they're like, so why don't you just, you know, maybe teach or why don't you do this more relatively normal thing? And uh, those conversations were sort of diluted and put into that conversation in the game well working as a full-time indie game developer now how does it feel to be able to make that as your career yeah it's still a lot of fun i enjoy working uh on my games every day and i feel pretty lucky that i you know because i remember how it was uh, when i was in architecture i would dread mondays i would wait for saturdays or fridays and uh, Sunday evening, I'd start getting pretty unhappy that, oh, God, I have to, you know, go do something that I don't like the next day. So, uh, yeah, I often think about that and I feel pretty happy doing what I do. And I end up working a lot because it's a lot of fun. Can you tell us a little bit about what your your day, your week kind of looks like now that you work for yourself making games? How do you uh, how do you start your week? What do you do? Um, what sort of things are important to you to make sure that you achieve each each week or each day? It's uh, somewhat not uh, exactly. You might say uh, there's no proper schedule. It sort of goes with the flow. So I also don't have a specific day when I don't work. So I I end up working on a Sunday. But what happens usually? apart from, you know, the COVID situation is uh, somebody will just call up and he'll be like, uh, you want to hang out or something. So that automatically becomes a holiday and a random Wednesday will be a break because somebody wanted to do something. Uh, but yeah, I just wake up. I take my time in the morning, uh, uh, watch some video and have a cup of tea and breakfast. By 11, 11.30, I'll start working and then work kind of just happens throughout the day uh i'll stop for lunch watch a movie during that time stop for tea in the evening uh get back to work and work till around 10 o'clock and about that time i stop that is the only proper uh, timing that i have to stop by 10 because then you know it's time to play something because that's also important so i play a game for an hour read a book sleep is it challenging to make sure that you don't work too much, even though you're having a lot of fun with it? I kind of take it really easy while I'm working. So I don't pressurize myself too much. And uh, if I feel like, you know, watching a movie for another half an hour, I just do it. So throughout, it's pretty slow and chilled out. 
and yeah like i said if anyone calls me i'm ready to go uh, out and everything but recently after releasing forgotten fields i thought okay i need to take a proper break so maybe a day or two of doing absolutely no work so i was like how can i indulge myself like okay let's play a game in the morning and you know not stop let's play for a few hours and that'll be fun because i've not done that for years and uh, so i started playing hitman yesterday and uh, yeah i was playing it at 12:01 in the afternoon and then I, i could hear all those bug reports which people have been talking about so there's some problems with the camera and collision and they just kept getting louder while i was playing and i was like i can't do this i need to stop so i i quit the game i i checked out all the bug reports i made an excel sheet wrote it all down and yeah i've been working on those bugs now so <laughs> it needs to be you know i need to be really mentally free like okay i have no responsibilities and i can work so that's a bit challenging but i haven't seen any negative effects yet fortunately uh, just do you think it a bit like a, a contract in hitman you got to go and take out those bugs and then you can get back and and yeah. keep doing what you need to do yeah Well besides Hitman are there any other games that you like to play when you like to unwind or anything like that? I love RPGs mostly. Uh not old school exactly but you know like Fable which uh Elder Scrolls. Uh I have a huge list of my backlog which I'm planning to go through now. I'm planning to play Gothic the first one which I never played and Gothic 2. So yeah, I'm waiting to get into those. So atmospheric RPGs like that. Do those sort of games inspire you to make your own role-playing game in the future? Is that something you'd like to try and achieve? Yeah, totally. Like my dream game would be uh Fable, you know, uh Fable the Lost Chapters. So uh yeah, like the main inspiration are these RPGs which are very immersive and they have this world which you can explore and I get inspired and I want to make that, but obviously I don't have the resources. So maybe someday What is the independent game scene like in your community? It's picking up the past couple of years. Uh if you look back like maybe 5 years ago there was absolutely nothing. And uh, when I started Rainswept maybe there was like one or two other teams who had either released something or who were working on it. So you might have heard of Raji um and uh, there's another game Asura I think. So these were the early ones and they have kind of got a global audience but a couple of weeks a week ago i think we had a indian steam harvest festival uh so it was on steam and there were about uh 20 games i think and so there has been an explosion in the past year or two where you're actually getting you know quality indie games from india uh yeah so that's pretty nice to see um are there many many studios or are they more small independent uh you know one person working on it like you are uh, do you know about that sort of uh you know scene in india so the ones that i mentioned in the steam festival are mostly small studios like small maybe 3 4 um team members uh in a studio um big companies i think mostly outsourcing so ubisoft has you know one of its um out whatever here which it probably has in every country and uh, there's a few mobile game studios but when it comes to these kind of games it's yeah very small studios independent studios 
would you like to work for a studio like that or or are the sort of games that you want to make uh, games that you make by yourself? Yeah, so that is something confusing because that is something I want to do as well. Um, but I don't want to stop this either. So, but that is something I dream about, you know, like working in, I don't know, Bioware, you know, the uh, games like Mass Effect. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun. I'll watch a lot of documentaries and all these big studios working together. Uh, I would love to do that, but let's see. Do you have any advice that you would give to any aspiring game developers? Patience and, you know, just uh, staying at it, learning things and uh, taking your time. I mean, if you can afford to give it time, uh, it's not that difficult when you kind of do what you need to do step by step and break it down into smaller things. Uh, but yeah, like if you have an idea, an interesting idea, maybe because a lot of people give you an advice that uh, start with something really small, like make a Pong, uh, what do you call a uh, clone or uh, something like that which I feel kind of sucks the enjoyment out of it. So if you have an interesting idea, go for it. Try to figure it out how to make it and um, take your time and it's possible. But yeah, don't go too big in the beginning either because, you know, like looking for investors or something like that and put too many things at risk and then uh, have it all come crashing down is also so a good balance between taking risk and, you know, not taking it too many years. Forgotten Fields is out there now. People can play it. Um, they can uh, see the demo of it. They can see the talk uh, and uh, conversations that were part of Ludo Naricon. Um, what is next for you? What's the next story, the next uh, game that you'd like to make? At the moment, after supporting this for a little bit more and maybe a little bit of break, uh, I have a few ideas. So in contrast to, you know, when I was working on Forgotten Fields, as soon as I started making Forgotten Fields, I got three, four more ideas that I really wanted to work on. So I'm excited to get to those. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's all I can say at the moment. So no, you can't give us a hint there or anything. It's just a lot of things in the pipeline potentially. If you like these games, if you like Forgotten Fields and Dreams, so if you like this, hopefully I'm, uh, I am looking to add a bit more... You, you may say depth to the gameplay, make it a bit balanced in terms of dialogue and in interactivity. So, yeah. And they'll be cinematic. We'd love to see it. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, some of your experience, a little bit of the process of what it was like uh, to make this game. Uh, it's really a beautiful game to look at um, and also to an experience, uh, a place that uh, I'm not familiar with, but I feel like I got a little bit more of an insight into. Aman, thank you for joining us on, on this episode of Pixel Sift. Thank you for having me. Uh, Pixel Sift is produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, um, Sarah Island, De Daniel Ang, Adam Christo. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer. My name is Gianni Giovanni, and thanks for joining me as well. Viv, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. As always, we'll be putting links to everything we talked about on the show notes of our website. You can find uh, a little box where you can click on and go straight to Forgotten Fields if you'd like to check out the game, or you can find that in the notes for this episode as well. That website is pixelsift.com.au. That address again, pixelsift.com.au. 
You can also come join us on Discord. We'd love to have you there. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord, where you can share your creative work, talk about topics and games and anything else. Again, pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. And if you like what we do, can we ask you a favor? Because we need your help to share the show. So tell a friend, uh, get everyone you like into games. You can learn the stories uh, like we learned Armand's tonight, but also lots of developers from all around the world um, sharing what it takes to make games. It's really uh, a real privilege that we have to share these stories with you. So if you think someone likes that sort of thing, we'd love for you to let them know. Next week, we'll be back uh, with Pixel Sift Plays, uh, checking out one of the many indie games that are featured on the show. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, have fun.